0: we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler.
1: All right, John, that was kind of a wild one. Saints. Trailing Good-looking rookie Justin Herbert and the Chargers by 17 points early, but able to survive this one in overtime, 30-27. After the Chargers doinked a potential game-winning 50-yard field goal right at the end of regulation, and look at that, a little bit of luck. And the Saints are 3-2, and two, tied with Carolina and Tampa Bay atop the NFC South. So, life is good. What did you think about that one?
2: Man, it's great to finally, literally have a bounce go your way for once. Uh, the, the, the Saints won that one, uh, got into overtime off of the the Noink Steel goal there. And they made enough plays in overtime to steal the deal. So, it was great to see. They're very fortunate uh, to get away with the win for... How poorly they played, especially there in the first half.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Nobody wants to get down twenty to three. I don't care if you're playing a rookie quarterback on the other side. Twenty to three—that I, I can't imagine the stats are very good. And, and actually, you tweeted about it, John. The uh, the odds were not in the Saints' favor based on their history, but they pulled one, They kind of pulled one out of their keister. But hey, we'll take it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, but you know they were—they're now three and seventy-one all time in games when they were when they were down seventeen uh, points. Um, and this was the first uh, win they've had since the two thousand nine season when they overcame. A, a huge deficit on the road against the Miami Dolphins, and that that uh, pushed them towards a the Super Bowl victory. And. Maybe this, maybe this could do the
1: same. Yeah, I think I have some sound coming up later that Drew Brees talked about. He, he kind of knows every game where he was down by 17 points in his career. It's kind of wild the way these quarterbacks' minds work. But, you know, we can't have too much fun talking about the win because we got to talk about the drama as usual, uh, John. And there is some drama going on in Saints country with the star receiver, Michael Thomas. Tensions appear to be heated between he and the coaching staff. Uh, there was reports that he got that he missed this game not because of an injury but because of a suspension for getting in a fight with a teammate. Also reports that he mouthed off to coaches. Reporters after the game did ask Sean Payton about it, and I'm going to play what he said here, right here.
2: Sean, will uh, Michael Thomas' suspension just
1: be one game, and how would you characterize that? Yeah, I'll keep you posted. That's that's something we'll discuss, uh, and we'll let you know at the time when the time is right. Did his absence alter the way? You I don't know, want to talk about. Today? I want to talk about the players that played tonight. So there it is, John. Sean Payton doesn't want to talk about Michael Thomas. And it sounds like... I don't know, after the bye week, maybe Peyton's going to let this thing go. Maybe he's still not completely sold that Michael Thomas is ready to return to this lineup. So what are you hearing? What are you thinking about what actually went down with Thomas in practice? And do you think this suspension could linger?
2: Yeah, it's a very murky situation. Uh, on Wednesday, Pro Football Talk uh, acquired the letter that Sean Peyton sent to Michael Thomas about the situation and... Michael Thomas was not suspended in that letter. Uh, he he was fined for the game. Uh, the Saints deactivated him for a non-injury reason officially. But from what Pro Football Talk uh, uh, is reporting, uh, that's Mike Florio their lead reporter over there. This this is a one-off instance uh, related to, to the fight in practice that Michael Thomas started with uh, safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson and it appears to be behind him. I mean, Sean Payton, he, he very rarely gets into personnel issues. He, he doesn't like talking about contracts. He doesn't like talking about suspensions. This was far of the course for him. You know, we'll, we'll see uh, what the situation looks like when the Saints come off of their bye. But Michael Thomas himself said on Twitter Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon that he was, still was not healthy, that he was hoping to gut through the pain of his ankle strain and play against the Chargers until the Saints uh, benched him for the game. And that's been reflected on the injury report the last two weeks. You know, he still has not practiced at a full Participation level. He's still been getting treatment. and He's still uh, been taking some time off to, to heal up. So I don't. I really believe that the whole situation's been blown out of out of proportion a bit for what happened. NFL insider Jos- Josina Anderson, excuse me, she reported that Thomas and Peyton have already met one on one Sunday morning. Uh, that's whenever he was given the, the formal letter of his uh, the fine for the one game uh, check. And, and it, just my read on the situation is that. There's a lot more noise on the outside than the inside. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins was on CBS Sports Radio uh, Tuesday afternoon as well. and He says that the players on the team, they know where, where Michael Thomas' heart is at. They know how important he is and how talented he is and what he means to the team. And that this isn't a sign of like a bigger issue so my personal take on it is that the saints are going to come out of the bye week with michael thomas in tow and they're going to get right back where they've always been with him playing a huge part of the offense
1: that's good to know there's some good insight right there and you actually wrote on the saints wire john that anyone kind of calling thomas a diva receiver are kind of out of bounds a little bit right maybe overreacting to the situation this is not something that we, I mean, this is something that we see all the time. There's, this is not the first fight that teammates have had in NFL practice. But you know, I guess that I guess the narrative is driven by Thomas getting his money and then having incidents like this. I guess, I guess that's where the narrative comes from. But you kind of, you've kind of been, uh, you know throwing the hand of blocking that commentary uh, on Saints Wire.
2: Yeah, I've been trying to push back on that a little bit. Uh, the comparison that keeps coming up, and this is really foolish of people to say, is saying, oh, well, well we've got the new Antonio Brown on our hands. And that's just so ridiculous because a, a sucker punch in practice is very different from the numerous criminal allegations made against uh, Antonio Brown that he is still dealing with in court in several states. Um, it's, it's two totally different worlds. There and it's just a really flimsy comparison for people to make. Yeah, I do think Thomas, you know, he he's got a big ego, as most successful receivers do. I mean, the reason that Falcons fans love Julio Jones and the reason Cardinals fans love Larry Fitzgerald is that those guys are outliers. Like they're they're, they're soft spoken. It's the same reason Saints fans love Mark Marcus Colston for so long was these guys are not brash, they're not loud, they're not they're not uh, sometimes causing trouble, and so. Those are outliers. The norm is for someone like Michael Thomas who has that Michael Jordan attitude of give me the ball and I'm going to go to work and I'm the best guy on this team. And, Sometimes you get friction because of that, and that's what we've seen in recent days.
1: Yeah, so uh, another big story with the Saints that's kind of off the football field is they're looking to maybe move home games to LSU's Tiger Stadium. You wrote about this as well. Uh, this is kind of interesting, right, They've The New Orleans mayor still has not granted the Saints permission to host games at the Superdome, although they have gotten the green light from the governor, right? So this is kind of uh, interesting. And the Saints, are are they really looking to move home games to get some uh, crowd factor back? Because I know that Superdome is a sad, sad place when there's no crowds in there.
2: Yeah, it's very, it's very quiet. It's eerily quiet. tank um, players, uh, several of them have spoken about how differently they would feel about the season if they had had the crowd in there, the crowd noise. Um, just getting to hear the fans in, up close like that not too close get the social distance but, but but hearing everybody in there together um that's not something that they're that they've been able to get clearance for at the superdome right now uh the city is new orleans is still working all, through its uh, covid-19 recovery and reopening plan on um, their they're not allowing large events of, of any sort and that extends to the saints so it, it's a very fluid situation that could change um, but as you said uh, one contingency plan they're working on would be moving home games to lsu's tiger stadium and that would mean 25,000 fans uh, there in attendance at Saints home games for the rest of the year.
1: Here's some fantasy football advice from TheHuddle.com. I'll be back with John in just a minute.
0: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends out a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com.
3: Benini with Benigni with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week six. Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga-Vailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Phillip Rivers, Brett Rippon. Not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch, and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may appear to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers have scored a touchdown, and eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. It was actually tight end Herb Smith Jr. and not Rudolph who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. com. Uh, this is
2: only the second win of your career uh, in a game you all returned about about 17 points. The other one was against the Dolphins in 2009
1: were you aware of that yeah but uh 2011 um 49ers playoffs should have won that when we were down 17 came back uh playoff game against minnesota down 17 the minneapolis miracle should have won that one so i know there's this exact number of 17 but i'm sure if we clumped in like the 13s 14s 15s you know there'd be there'd be quite a bit more Like I said, John, uh, Drew Brees remembers every game that he's been down by 17 points. And also, whatever reporter has their email open that's getting the ding-dong there, like – can you stop killing all the audio whatever jack wagon's doing that please close your email or whatever that is that's i feel like every time you get an email in the inbox it does the ding dong we got to we got to cut that out during the pressers man it's killing the audio but man it was it was kind of fun to hear drew talk about some of that but maybe not so fun for saints fans to hear the uh, minneapolis miracle come back up
2: yeah that that was pretty brutal uh, the 49ers game he he referenced that was also uh... A, a tough one that, that, that those games are they, they resulted in a lot of sleepless nights for Saints fans. Uh, we, we don't like going back there, but but as I mean, as we've pointed out, you know, this team is, they're resilient, they, they've had a lot of games like this where it, they were their opponents hit, hit them with their best shot, and the Saints rallied and came back. and Sometimes they've sealed the deal, sometimes they've come up short, and it, they were very fortunate to do that. Uh, not just against the Chargers this week, but a week earlier with, with the Lions when they were down 14 to nothing early in the first quarter. Right. So it kind of makes you think how good can this team be once they've done a lot of self scouting during this bye week? Once they've had time to look at the film, correct a lot of the issues on defense with giving up these explosive plays, once they've gotten Michael Thomas back in the lineup, once everybody is healthy and back out there, what is their ceiling?
1: Yeah, I like it, and I think there's still. you can kind of see them still trying to figure it out, and you can see them really trying to figure out the Taysom Hill thing, right? I mean, that, that thing is still not clicking on all cylinders. I think we all expected the Taysom Hill offense when he comes in and lines up either as the quarterback or the wildcat guy or whatever you want to call it. I think we all expected that to take a, a major step forward this year after what we saw last season and what we saw in the playoffs, and it really hasn't materialized. Now, I know he scored the big touchdown, On Monday night but you wrote about you know really he kind of had a dud performance in that game are you starting to worry about the Taysom Hill section of this offense and the fact that they really can't get it going and get it untracked
2: yeah it's frustrating and especially when you know Drew Brees will be in rhythm making plays getting first down after first down and then he steps out for Taysom Hill to come down for a loss of yards and you know but part of the issue there is that the plays with Taysom have become so predictable. Um, Alvin Kamara talked about this after the game. When Taysom ran for the touchdown run, on that that was a designed pass. And I, w- I know that Taysom goes out there; he does a lot of read option stuff. He's not—it's not a run pass option. It's a run run option, and it's either for him to hand the ball off to Kamara or for him to handle it himself. And on that play, that was a designed pass. So even though they showed that look er- early it was telegraphing to the defense what they were going to do. Now, he did ultimately end up running when the lane was there after the play developed. That wasn't by design. That's not what he was sent out there to do. And we've seen this over and over again where defenses has figured him out. They, they know where the ball's going whenever he's on the field and they know how to guard him. And the Saints have really got to take a hard look at this and reevaluate it and see if there's things they can't, be, they can't do differently with him or if they need to scale back. His involvement now. I do think we're going to see less Taysom Hill on offense once Michael Thomas is back out there because right now Sean Payton is you know he's using everything he can. He, he's digging deep in his toolbox. He, he's using uh, he, he's calling up tight ends from the practice squad every week. He, he is bringing Taysom Hill out there, doing whatever he can to try and find a spark. And that's because they don't have Michael Thomas. They don't have the reigning offensive player of the year. And so once Thomas is back in the lineup, I think the offense is going to look much more efficient. I think they're going to make a lot of progress, but that I mean, that's two weeks away, so we're going to be speculating about that a lot until we see it.
1: You know, the Saints obviously on a bye week here coming up, as we've mentioned, but there's still plenty of stuff going on around the NFL, even around the NFC South, so I want to throw a few questions at, at John here coming up, and one of the things I want to get to in the next segment is, did Tom Brady for the Bucks, Really forget how many downs there are, John. You're hilarious on Twitter. I, I really do love following your uh, your thoughts, so I want to get your take on Tom Brady forgetting how many freaking downs there were and what Tampa Bay is doing to my favorite quarterback. We'll do that here coming up. We'll be right back.
0: It's that time again. The line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs and the over-unders.
2: I think I want my money back.
0: Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
3: Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of sportsbookwire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the week six Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams, minus three and a half favorites on the road, 49ers plus 160 underdogs on the money line, a low over under for this one of 50.5 points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams, and three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what? I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in Week 5. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington and football team check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from betmgm sportsbook subscribe to bet7 podcast be sure to rate and review
1: Okay, John, so until Derrick Henry uh, threw Josh Norman away like a tackling dummy on Tuesday night, Tom Brady had the meme of the season, right, when he forgot how many downs there were with the cameras capturing him holding up the four fingers on the potential game-winning drive against the Bears on Thursday night. Man, like I said, my favorite quarterback's getting old or something. Uh, You know, and maybe all these stupid plays and penalties that the Bucs make are, are rubbing off on him. I have no idea, but do you think the Tampa Tom experiment we will it work this season. Like, I'm starting to look at their schedule, and I'm like, are the Bucks a fringe playoff team at best? Like, after watching Thursday night and watching them kind of punt away a should-be win, do you think this thing with the Bucks could fall off the rails?
2: Yeah, I think it could get der- derailed, but I'm not completely out on the Bucks just yet. I, w- I want to see what they look like once they've gotten Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, both in the lineup, both healthy, um, because we, I mean, we've seen how dangerous those guys are with Jameis Winston. Let's see how, how well they look with Tom Brady. Once, plus everybody's firing on full cylinders, so I'm not out, I'm not out on the bucks. I mean, if you look at the NFC South standings right now, it you've got three teams that are all three and two. So this thing could go in any, any way. Um, the Saints play the Panthers coming out of the bye. That that could help clear things up. But we'll see with Tampa with with a Tampa Bay. Um, as far as the, uh, the fourth down issue, uh, personally, I think that he was just doing his Janus Winston impression uh, with the E D W to as, as someone may <laughs> uh, some of y'all may, may recall from yeah. a few years back. Uh, yeah. Very bizarre pregame ritual. So, Tom, um, that was that was game postgame issue.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe so. I love it. I love it. So, all right. On a on a less lighter note, the weight of that moment when Dak Prescott broke his ankle on Sunday was felt by any football fan who was watching. Right, it was just so heavy. Listening to. Tony Romo commentating on it, his former teammate, seeing Jason Garrett running across the field. like It was kind of weird how all those guys were kind of there and, and around Dak when it happened. And now, I think the big storyline with Dak is, is uh, his future, since he's on the franchise tag this year, so he doesn't have a contract beyond this season. If you're Dak Prescott coming off this injury, John, do you work exclusively with the Cowboys to try to reboot those extension talks once the season is over? Or do you force Dallas to put that boosted franchise tag number at around 37 million or whatever it's going to be and try to get yourself to the open market to try to recoup some of that money that he was going to be on pace to get with like a 6000 yard pace or whatever he was on before the injury. <laughs>
2: Gosh, I feel so bad for Dak. That was an awful moment to see live and to see replayed over and over again on social media days later. I mean, from a financial standpoint, he, he's got to get his money, and that could mean getting a fully guaranteed thirty-seven million or or more from from the Cowboys on his second franchise tag, which is what Kirk Cousins did across the division uh, not too long ago. Or it could be a multi-year deal. Jerry Jones has spoken often about how he, he's reluctant to pay Dak uh, what, what you're seeing guys like Deshaun Watson get um there at the top of the market we'll see how he feels after watching Andy Dalton play quarterback for a few months so I mean for, from from Dak's perspective uh, he, he's he got to secure the bag he's got to get his money he might have to be patient with it and I know that's going to be difficult uh they rehabbing and recovering from such a difficult su- su-
1: such an ugly injury yeah just absolutely brutal Okay, one more question for you. The Saints are one of the few teams out there that probably won't even take a look at Le'Veon Bell now that he's on the market, the Jets releasing him, because they got Alvin Kamara and he's a freaking superstar. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is even going to be sniffed at by the Saints. But where do you think he would fit best? And what do you think his market's going to be now that he's on the he's out there? That's kind of an interesting storyline right now.
2: You know, it's weird. It, the situation feels very similar to what Leonard Fournette experienced uh, earlier this year. Uh, right, when he was released by the Jaguars. Yeah, it's a good,
1: it's a good comp. Uh,
2: he, he, yeah, he, he was not claimed off his waivers. And then when, circle back to the, to the Bucs, uh, when they signed him, they signed him to a uh, veteran's uh, min- minimum salary. Mm-hmm. And I think that could also be the case for Le'Veon Bell. I think he might have to wait a little while, but he won't lack for opportunities. You know, let look at the Chargers, the, the Saints' last opponent. Um, outside of one big gain on the ground early on by, by Justin Jackson, you know, they averaged something like two and a half yards per carry on the night. So they, they could use some more help after losing Austin Eckler to an injury the week before they, in the AFC West, would the Denver Broncos. And Elvin Gordon had a DUI Tuesday night. Yep, uh, he, yep. He's facing a game suspension that, that makes sense. Le'Veon Bell and the Broncos are a safe opponent uh, here in, on November 22nd, I believe. So, I, I do think that Bell could end up staying in the AFC, possibly the AFC West. But that just seems to make the most sense from uh, from a, a personnel standpoint. Uh, but but we'll see. Trade deadline is three weeks away. Uh, some teams could start being buyers and sellers, trying to offload these these big contracts for the 2021 salary cap which is which is expected to fall quite a bit so we we could see a lot of movement here in the weeks ahead
1: no doubt all right john well hey enjoy a little bit of a lighter weekend all right
2: yeah i'm gonna do my best i got got a cheese and charcuterie plate i'm working on (laughs) so i'm very very excited for that
1: (laughs) i love it man all right i'll throw some more random questions at you next week and then we'll get back into uh more of a routine but uh yeah man i'll talk to you then
2: sounds great ryan
0: take care